0: Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently.
1: Welcome to another podcast discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. So, and today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue the mortgage discussion that we've been having. This is part two, episode two, uh, with our guest, David Steinberg. And he's, with Summit Funding, he's been working with them, uh, well, it's his company, for about 31 years. We're going to talk about debt. You know, not all debt is the same. Uh, David's going to talk about credit, good versus bad credit, and credit scoring. He's also going to demystify some of the common misconceptions around credit and debt. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for over 10 years. And uh, joining us
0: today is David. Hi, Kevin. So my company, Summit Funding, has been in business for 31 years, and we pride ourselves in how can we make it as easy as humanly possible for someone to get a mortgage. Sometimes that, dis- that distinction, taking the same question and looking at it from a different angle, makes all the difference in the world. Right. And w- so we take a personal approach, working with clients individually, understanding their needs looking at ways that we can help them. And along the way, we've learned a lot about credit because every time we work with someone, we're looking at their credit report. We're looking at their credit score. We're looking at how they use credit. And that has educated and informed what we'll we'll discuss.
1: Okay. So, I mean, credit's very important. I, I People may think about a lot, they may not think about a lot, you know, I don't know maybe they're thinking more about their vacations <laughs> whatever it is but um so but it is important, you know I mean it's a big factor you know in the mortgages um and uh so can you talk a little bit about a little bit of let's start with debt that's that's an area I think people everybody a lot of people are very very focused on, and they automatically assume oftentimes. One debt's the same as another, right?
0: Right. So people like you and I make distinctions. And one of the distinctions we make is what the debt is for. So, for example, a student loan is a great form of debt. You're getting an education. You're paying for it with a loan. Obviously, it's great if somebody has the resources. They're lucky enough not to need that debt. But that's debt aimed at a specific purpose. Right. Debt that is, let's say, related to home acquisition. You buy a home, you have a million dollar asset, you have a $700,000 mortgage, that's great debt. Right. Credit card debt, on the other hand, is generally bad debt. Right. Because... you if you do not pay it in full every month you're incurring an interest charge generally speaking there is not an offsetting asset right so if you wanted to make the distinction if there's an if you're taking debt to acquire an asset and that asset has a long life right that's good debt right if you're borrowing money let's say you have someone who has a stock portfolio and they have a million dollar stock portfolio, and they take margin debt to be able to invest more. Maybe, maybe take a million and a half. Have a million and a half in investments and five hundred thousand dollars in margin debt. That might, uh, with proper guidance, be good debt. Right, right, because it's something that's going
1: to bring more as more more money to them. Right, right. so that's an asset. Right, that's actually you know an asset is something that brings you money, right? right. Whereas a debt is something that takes away money, right? It's, exactly.
0: It's an expense. Exactly. So, so I always look at the distinction: what's the debt for? If it's for, if it's if it's balanced off directly, balanced off by another asset, that's great. You have a home, and you decide. You want to put in a wing, another, some sort of an addition. You want to put in two more rooms. Right. It's going to cost you $100,000. You're going to take out a $100,000 loan to pay for that extension to your home. Right. That's good debt.
1: Right. Because now your your asset, your home, is now worth more after, right? Right.
0: But if you take that same home equity loan and you go to Vegas...
1: (laughs) could be more fun, though. <laughs> it could be more fun.
0: But the odds are that you, that, that debt will be um, transient. The asset will be transient, and the debt will be long-lived. Right. Taking credit cards, spending money on a credit card where you can't pay it off at the end of the month or at the end of three months, but with the program payment so you know it's not going to be there a long time, right. that's bad debt. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Good distinction. And I think that's important for for us, for our listeners, to be able to start making that, to change that mindset, to to think differently about debt. It's not, just because you have a mortgage doesn't mean it's bad,
0: right? Depression-era thinking. Right. Our grandparents thought that any debt was bad. Right. And they remembered when debt meant um, financial ruin. So they taught their children and their grandchildren that debt is bad. That's a that's a dated notion. Debt can be good, it can be bad. So you have two people, two brothers, and they both start out with five hundred thousand dollars, and they're both gonna buy a home. And Bill is gonna buy a home, he's gonna buy a home for five hundred thousand dollars, and he's gonna use every last penny. Of his five hundred thousand dollar nest egg, to buy the home, he's going to have no debt, right? But he's going to have no asset, right? He's yeah. going to have no right. reserves, right? He's no going reserves. to have no reserves. He's going to
1: feel good. Oh, my! I own uh, my home, um, free and clear, right? right?
0: Now, yeah. Bob, right? Bill has a house, same five hundred thousand dollar house, no debt. Bob is going to buy that house, and he's going to pay a hundred thousand dollars and use it as a down payment and he's going to borrow $400,000. Right. Who's in a riskier position?
1: Right. It, it's the former, not, not, not the latter, right? The, right? the person who put all their money... Bill in
0: their doesn't have asset reserves, doesn't have cash reserves, he doesn't have access to capital, so if something goes wrong, he's in trouble. In trouble. Bob has $400,000 in liquid reserves. Right. But in the depression model... Where all debt was the same and all debt was bad, people made decisions to eliminate debt. Right. And that no longer is a wise decision. Right. It may have been wise 100 years ago. Right.
1: And I, and I think we did see a lot of, a, a lot of that um, in, in the more recent recession, right? A lot of people kind of follow that idea, that philosophy, so they have no money in reserve. So they lose their, their job. Now they have nothing to fall back on. They can't access any equity they have in their home. They still end up losing their home,
0: right? right. Exactly. They have no money, exactly.
1: Right. Exactly. So that's not the secure position. Right. I agree. Uh, keeping money in reserves as much as you can, you can have access to, and now is actually an asset for you because you can, like you say, put that money into um, something else,
0: you know, and, and you can grow it. Exactly. So now let's talk about credit scoring. Let's okay. talk about credit scores because everyone who is um, an economic player in the United States, has a credit score. And based on looking at thousands and thousands of credit reports, having hundreds and if not thousands of conversations around credit score, I find that there's a lot of misconceptions. I'd like to cover a couple of those.
1: Sure, sounds good. Let's talk about that.
0: So let's start with an understanding of what the scores mean. And generally speaking, the scores range from 400 to 850. Now, that's the standard model. There are alternate models out there. Mm -hmm. You'll almost never see an 850, but you will see people with 830s or something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: From your perspective, from my perspective, anyone who has a credit score of 780 or better that is superb. And one of the little understood points is that there's no difference between a and a 780 credit score and an 820. It's right. functionally the same. And sometimes within the course of a month, that score can go up or down 10 or 20 points based on economic activity during the quarter, during right. the month. Right, right. The 740 to 780, excellent. Right. Very good. And there's no reason to worry about a score as long as it's over 740. Mm -hmm. 720 to 740, good. Now, if I ask you what the average FICO score in the United States is, do you have any idea what that might be?
1: I'm going to guess somewhere in the middle, like 600.
0: It's about 710. 710, really? 710. So for a lot of people who think, oh, I have a 650 credit score, it's pretty good, isn't it? No, right. it's not. It's not, actually. Right. it's not actually. So you get that next band of 700 to 720, it's good. 660 to 700, it's okay, it's fair. And then as you go lower, now you've got some real problems. Right, right. We have been very successful in coaching our clients, sometimes to make very quick adjustments to their credit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes... Time it takes a year or two years or two years, right? Right. But credit score is not a fixed attribute. Right. You can start with a 780 and lose 50 or 100 points in three months <laughs> by just de- delaying payments, having a, when, if you run into a financial problem, right? Or you can take um, remedial steps and take someone with a 600 credit score. Start paying debt off, starting addressing the issues, mm-hmm. and six months, a year later, they could be six fifty, six eighty, seven hundred, seven fifty, just migrating up that path. Right, right. Okay,
1: well, that's good to know too. I, I mean, I think <laughs> a lot of people um, who do watch their credit scores, they do see that you know, you're talking about. Well, it just kind of goes up and down. Oh my, credit score changed again today.
0: I love what you said about watch their credit scores, right? So let me just tell you one common misconception. Okay. And that is many people have, let's say a credit card Mm -hmm. that tells them what their credit score is.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I have one. Do you have one? Yeah, of course.
0: That score more likely than not is bogus. Really. Yeah. Most people don't know that. So from a professional standpoint, there is something called a FICO score. Right. right. And that's the Fair Isaacs score. That is a specific scoring model that is the gold standard. Uh, right. Right. Now, it costs money every time you run a Fair Isaacs model. Right. So, a lot of people, right. let's say a lot of the banks, will go out there and give you a model of the model.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: And it'll be an approximation. But I find that those numbers, the credit scores that people carry in their head, are often run by 50 or 100 points. Wow, that much? That much. It's, just, it's wild. Wow. Sometimes it's directionally interesting. Hmm. So if somebody says they have an 800 score, odds are they have excellent credit. Right, right. But it, they may or may not have an 800 score when, when we run our reports.
1: Right, it could be lower. And I guess in the same respect, someone might say, oh, "I don't have a six hundred. You run it; it's more like a six seventy or six eighty or
0: something." Yeah, that happens less so, often, but sometimes it's, it's more down than up. It's more down than up, yeah. and that's because the banks want you to feel good. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. look, my credit score is pretty good. I could get a new loan, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right? So, so what else can we talk about? So let's talk about
0: managing you. your credit score. Right? Okay, so. The first thing to to know is that that a credit score is built on certain, it's a model, it's a financial model that's intended to predict the likelihood that you're going to make a late payment. What they do is they look at your credit history. So that's the part that is incredibly valuable Mm -hmm. and you and I and our listeners have got to be... Meticulous in paying our our cards on time. Right. Failure to do so is penalized, and it's penalized fairly harshly. Right.
1: And it stays for a long time.
0: And it stays for a long time. Though it 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 gets it can get better. Right. So number one, it's history. Number two, it is utilization, mm-hmm. and utilization means you could have two people who have the same identical debt profile you may owe $5,000 on your credit cards mm-hmm. and I may owe $5,000 on my credit cards. Right. And we could have radically different scores. Right. How could that be? Well, if you have a one credit card with a limit of $5,000 and you owe $5,000, your credit score is going to be lower than if you have three credit cards and you have... $30,000 of credit availability, and you're using 5000 Right, right. Very different reality. Right. Right? Another issue is, are you, um, how much history do you have? So we were talking, and I have an American Express card for dog's ears. Right. And that card, I'm never going to close that card, because that has a great deal of history about my payment record. So I may have a card that I've taken out a year ago and I'll close that in a minute. Right. But the cards that have my history I'm holding on to those cuz that that those have 5, 10, 20 year histories of perfect payment. Right. right. And that's very valuable. That's a third component. So we've talked about um we've talked about history. Right. We've talked about utilization and the third part of it is um, the history in the sense of just history with one card. Right, how long have you had that? Yeah. yeah, I always tell my clients, and in fact, I coached my kids this way. When my kids turned sixteen, I got them a credit card. When they turned eighteen, I got them a second credit card. By the time they were in their mid twenties, they had eight hundred credit scores because wow. they had two or three credit cards with perfect payment records, right. utilization and perfect payment. So. The idea of having one credit card, wrong. Multiple credit cards used regularly and paid in full, right. that gives you the gold standard. And finally, one last criteria, just so your people are familiar with it, is different kinds of credit. So maybe um, installment debt of some sort, a mortgage of some sort, credit cards, maybe a car loan or a car lease, different kinds of credit that... that fills out the picture, and it shows that you are able to manage your debt. And that that generates a good credit score.
1: Good, Good tips there. Are there any other tips that you could share that could help some of our listeners? Maybe they don't have perfect credit. They want to do something to increase it.
0: Great question, Kevin. So let's talk about three things very quickly. Number one, whether or not you have excellent credit today, make it a habit at least once a year, I'd recommend twice a year, if possible, to get a copy of your credit report. I'll, I'll give you the link online to a couple of good sources. Okay, good. But I, I don't, for the I there are certain bureaus that are very commonly praised online. I'm not a big fan of it. Right. But uh, get there are some bureaus that are very reliable. Get your credit report and look at it because there are maybe 30, 40% of All credit reports have mistakes in them. Mm. Some of them are menial, are minimal, and they don't really make a difference, but some of them really are important. You you might have someone else's credit record or your credit may have been stolen. The only way you're going to know is if you look at a credit report. So that's number one. Number two, utilization is something you can manage. So if you have three credit cards and you have $10,000 worth of debt, but it's all on one credit card and you've maxed out on that credit card, you may improve your credit score, first of all, by paying the debt off as fast as you of course, can, of but, at, but also rejiggering your credit so that it's not all on one card. Thirdly, I think it's important to um, be aware that I, I made a reference to stolen credit uh, a moment ago. There is a lot of credit fraud out there. Many, many people have been victimized by credit fraud. Yeah, I know we've seen a bit of that in, on TV recently. And that it comes in two different flavors. So, one flavor is you have a chase credit card, you look at your activity, and you go, I didn't charge that. So, you need to be on top of that. But the other one is because of all the credit let's see, the Equifax debacle of a year ago or right. the Facebook or many of the credit issues that are going on, cybercrime issues, sometimes your identity is out there, and someone may be able to use your information to apply for a credit card fraudulently. And the again, monitoring your credit with a credit report multiple times a year is a sure way to catch that. I don't have a card with that company. And now now you are on the path to, to uh, fixing the problem.
1: Right. What would you recommend people do to help them? They do realize something like that happens. What, what steps should they take to help fix that?
0: Boy, that's a big question. A big question. That's a big question. That's <laughs> a big question. If, it's, if your credit has been stolen, at the minimum, consider a credit freeze with all three bureaus. Right. That's the minimum step. But then you have to go back and examine each and every inquiry and identify whether it's real, it was yours, or it was fraud, and that's a whole reconstruction effort that sometimes can take people months and months, and yeah. mass, it's a massive headache. Yeah, and they have
1: to they'll have to work with the with the bureaus, right, to strain that out. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think this is uh, valuable information for our listeners here. They're they're you know. Today's society, there's plentiful information out there, but and it's not easy to sort through what's true and what's not, right? So there's a lot of misconceptions, with, especially with debt. Like you're talking about some of it's handed down from uh, our you know, grandparents, great-grandparents and whatnot. So I appreciate you sorting that out for our listeners and to help them understand a little bit more about their credit and what types of things affect
0: that. You know, I'm a mortgage guy. And um, one of the mistakes that we see is that people wait too long to to run their credit before they decide to buy a home. Right. So when you're in the market to do a major economic purchase, whether it's mostly a home, but sometimes it's a a car car or a boat or something. But if you're in the market for a major economic event, purchase of a home... The earlier you start, the more lead time you have, the better your ability to recover from errors on your credit report, from fraud, from coming up with a strategy and getting it done. So I'm a big fan of of starting early. Good advice. appreciate that.
1: So uh, thank you for joining us again today. We really appreciate your time. Uh, Our Wealth Rebels are, are, I'm sure, going to find great value in this. Um, Again, we're going to put your information on the show notes page, uh, WealthTacticRebels.com and you said you were going to provide them with a link. Yeah, Um, I'll
0: I'll, I'll give you a list of a couple of good credit, um, ways to get an annual credit. report. Okay,
1: fantastic. I'll put that on the show notes page as well. And of course, uh, WealthTacticRebels, if you go to WealthTacticRebels.com, you can go there and get our uh, free guide to the three key areas you could be losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. And again, thank you so much for joining us today, David. Love having you again.
0: My you're, pleasure. You're
1: a fantastic expert to have here and great, great for conversation. So, um, Wealth Tech Rebels, thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a fantastic day.
0: Want to really see things differently? Take our course, Ingenious Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real life examples, see your progress with quizzes and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things different.
1: This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor, or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release, However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.